From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host Elaine Harlan and our faithful intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl. Yay! And and, uh, always a treat to have that. The doctor is in, Elaine. The doctor is in. Dr. Jim Hinman uh, with us here, and amongst other things, he'll be examining my cognitive bias modification. But... Uh, putting that aside, loosely translated, that means yeah, that means I'm beyond help. I think. But I'm glad we've, you said we've that. We've known that for quite a while. But anyway, Jim Henman with us tonight, and, and it's always such a joy. Just it's always a pleasure. See where God's going to take it, you know. And it's it's always fresh and and good stuff. So we'll be looking forward to that in in uh, in just a second. Just a reminder, friends, you can check uh, new opportunities to serve on our website at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. And, of course, you can always give Elaine a call because they don't allow me to answer the phone around here. You know, it's amazing, Jim. When she's gone, you know, I pick up the phone. You know, advancing vibrant communities, Mike Douglas. I want to talk to Elaine. <laughs> no, nobody no, no wants to talk to me. So I don't even bother. It's just, you know. Well, you've got where's Elaine? Cognitive, yeah. what, whatever it is, disorder. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> I think the people have bias modification that needs to go on there. But anyway, no, I, you do such a wonderful job with, with folks, Elaine, and, and especially this time of year. Um, I was going to give a phone number, I think, before I went on that tangent somewhere. Do you remember somewhere. what it was? I do re- oh, remember good. that. So uh, area code 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. And wherever you are around the world, by the way, we are Facebookers as well. And uh, you can be a fan of uh, Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, and just uh, search for that, Advancing Vibrant Communities, and we have daily updates there and love to keep in touch with you that way as well. Yes. You know, guys, this is my favorite time of the year, Thanksgiving, and we mm-hmm. just want to take a moment and wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. But, Jim, I, I you and Sonia are probably ready for the holiday. I as good as you can be. Well, are you cooking mm-hmm. this year? Mm-hmm. Well, we're uh, going to be at my mother-in-law's. She shows her love with food. Mm. Uh, manja, manja, eat, eat. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a my first okay. word of Italian was abastanza. I am full. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and for good reasons, do I they, learned do, that word. Do they respect that? Oh yeah. 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 Eventually, it only took forty years. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but she rejects it more than she did 40 years ago. <laughs> it's progress, not perfection. <laughs> you know what my job is on what Thanksgiving? Is, what is your job? I carve the turkey. And all right. That's a, my job. job. I'm I'm a mean dude with the knife. <laughs> with one of those <laughs> chainsaw. <laughs> Alice has a power. Well, I do. I have, I have a power one, too. <laughs> you know, you just... Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, you got to have more power. You know, ring. Tim the Tool Man. Tim Allen. Yeah, it's a sight to behold. I love it. And but I, what I inherited that from my grandfather actually. He had a, and he didn't use power. Uh, you know, use the the old way with with sharp knives. And uh, but that that man was amazing. Throughout his life. He never weighed more than 145 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. never, mm-hmm. never. And he was a pharmacist. And he could carve that turkey, serve everybody, and be on his second helping by the time every... I mean, it was amazing <laughs> how he did right? that. He could eat like a horse and never gained a pound, mm-hmm. you know. And, and But uh, anyway, so I watched him for many years, and and uh, I just, just love loved doing that. He kept active. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know even why I went went well, down that road a, either. That's a good road, and you'll find your way back, I'm sure. You know, eventually. We all Doctor Henman may help me. With and that. he never returned. No, <laughs> he, he never, never returned, <laughs> and his fate is still unknown. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Among your many talents. Oh, we got a new talent. Here. <laughs> we do. Were you going to get to some serving things? You know, we, I've been interrupting I just, you. No, I I just love yeah. this uh, traditional. You know, traditions in uh, holidays is always uh, a fun thing to explore because every family. Family has them, uh, or most families do anyway. But I love this time of year. And yesterday we spent uh, Pastor Mike in church uh, time uh, giving praises and mm-hmm. thanks, and just thinking, Jim, uh, it's easy to give thanks during times when you know times are easy and things are going smoothly. But mm-hmm. sometimes when things aren't going smoothly, I was just reflecting uh, on this past year. I've got. Uh, Friends who have been through some painful times and a couple of uh, very close friends who uh, came through some cancer issues this wow. year. And, uh, you know, ourselves, we've had some financial issues here uh, uh, within ABC and, and just uh, just varying uh, things this year, uh, some issues and, and so forth. But it's, it's a little bit more difficult to say thank you, Lord, for those kinds of things, isn't it? And- yeah. And, and I, I marvel, Jim, at the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. and the way he was able to integrate all that mm-hmm. with a very authentic response of, mm-hmm. of thanksgiving mm-hmm. and, and joy, not, not fake joy, like mm-hmm. I should be joyful now because that's what the Bible says. Key thing, Paul was never fake. Amen. <clears throat> Even right. when he said, I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I do want to do, which would seem like a cop-out, anybody but Paul. But no one could really think cop out and Paul in the same breath. Amen. I mean, if you've read Paul, you can't think cop out. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But the thing is, what Paul was celebrating when he was in the center of that prison after having been beaten nearly to death was celebrating the opportunity that present moment had to witness to those in the prison and to the guards that were keeping him a prisoner. So it wasn't that he was saying, thank you, God, for having the, you know, what beat out of me. Nor was he saying, thank you, Lord, for putting me in prison. But he did say, thank you, Lord, for being with me where I am, which happens to be in prison. How can we use this moment for your purposes? 
That's what he's giving thanks for, if I understand correctly. And that really takes adopting God's filter, doesn't it, to look at the situation? Exactly. Because when Elaine was talking about friends that are struggling with cancer or financial issues, maybe a, a job that you've worked at for many, many years, you've done really well, suddenly the, the, the business closes its doors through no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. And you're unemployed, you're old enough that it's harder to get a new job, you don't have the training in general because you've specialized in your particular area. To expect yourself to give thanks for losing your job, thanks for a, a bout of cancer, thanks for any kind of loss is not real. It's not genuine. But what is genuine and real is that God promised us in this fallen world that we would go through many adversities. And he warns us about that and says, let me come with you. Let me live with you. Let me live through you. And when necessary, let me live for you as these adversities happen. I will find the nuggets. I will find the wisdom, the nuggets, the value in the adversity that you can be thankful for. Do you hear the difference? Mm. I do. And, and yet, in our own human struggles, it's, it's very hard to, you know, initially when you're going through these, the bottom just seems to fall out of your lives. Absolutely. You know, the broken relationships, mm-hmm. going through the divorce issues. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate mm-hmm. to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's not the first thing you want to say is, thank you, Lord, for this pain that is, you know, excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, it's in those valleys. Jim, we've talked about this so mm-hmm. oftentimes. That's when you feel his presence with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And it, it really lends a, a deeper significance and understanding to Jesus's statement, uh, you know, come to me, all you mm-hmm. who are weary mm-hmm. and, and heavy laden, and I will give you it. And when he says, take my yoke upon you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so many times, this is a revelation for me many, many years ago. Yeah. I was thinking, well, it's a single yoke, you know, and Jesus mm-hmm. couldn't, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's a double yoke. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and you just uh, alluded to that, Jim, that it, it allows uh, the Lord to enter into the situation with us and walk with us mm-hmm. uh, through it. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that, don't don't you think that takes going through a bunch of valleys in order to really understand that? I think it's a cumulative learning process. Mm. If you have no valleys, if you only have mountaintop experiences, then you begin to assume that's how it should be. And if it's that way for me, it should be for everyone. So what's wrong with you, buddy, that you've got mm-hmm. some valleys I don't have any valleys. I know it must be that I am so righteous that God is blessing me. And you must not be. And that's why you're having trouble. I love the part that you wrote in this paper, uh, Jim, about uh, coming from a normal family. My first question is, what is a normal family? A normal family is a fallen family. (laughs) The best loving family in a fallen world is still going to have survival software. Of some sort. It's going to affect your ability to see God's plan clearly and directly, but rather you'll see his plan through a glass darkly, mm-hmm. through the filters that you grow up with. We all do. 
Right. And then normal life produces mm-hmm. wounds. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that might sound strange to some, but we talk about um, defining the wounded parts of ourselves. Can mm-hmm. we just talk about, you know, mm-hmm. we say that a lot mm-hmm. when, you, when mm-hmm. you're here with us, the mm-hmm. wounded parts of ourselves, and we're not mm-hmm. talking about falling down and scratching our knees, but, mm-hmm. but what is that about, Jim, the wounded parts of ourselves? From birth to the present moment, say those, the four of us that are 30, or more. Or more. <laughs> okay, so I'm double that. That, but, that must have been a logarithmic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. There was, we've been around for, for quite a while. Um, from birth to our present time, when something becomes too overwhelming for us to be able to handle, the natural response is to block it and push it away. What happens when you do that is that it creates a dissociation or a fracture in the overall character. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, first responders are are so vulnerable to that. Even though they're given a lot of training on how to deal with it, which does help, but they'll have flashbacks. Uh, Soldiers come back, flashbacks. What's happening is the moment that they're flashing back to became so threatening, so overwhelming for whatever reason. Now, with a war, with a first responder, it makes a little bit more logical sense. Yeah, the person goes in and sees a bunch of dead bodies or sees a buddy that's blown up in a foxhole next to him. But that can also happen as a seven-year-old when you're the last one picked for dodgeball. Over and over and over again. And then one day, it's like something hits you and you realize, I'm a loser. Mm. No one wants me. But it's too painful to really grasp, so we push it away. The emotions are left in the on position. The limbic system, the emotional part of the brain, is in the on position when that blocking takes place. So if it's a first responder and you're seeing uh, maybe a dead body that you suddenly realize is your neighbor or worse than that, a family member, mm-hmm. you know, and you may have been able to handle a stranger in that condition, but to have it be a family member somehow hits beneath your ability to deal with. And in that moment, with all the emotional intensity, time freezes. I call it putting it in Tupperware. It gets put away in a timeless state. Now, fast forward five years, 10 years, 20 years, something triggers that memory. Instead of just having a memory of the facts, F-A-C-T-S, the facts, what you start with is a surge of the emotion from the limbic system of what was actually happening at the moment that the thing got blocked at the moment it got frozen in time. So you have this huge surge of emotion, whether or not you even realize the scene that's connected with it. And, and those are the raw emotions that have never been processed. They've never been I mean? processed yeah. through. Yeah. And what God wants us to do is to allow him through us to come in us through, I, I know this is, 
for the listener out there, I am so sorry that it can't be said in an easier way. I just don't know how. But it's like he wants me to let him into that wounded six-year-old Jimmy or 10-year-old Jimmy who was so angry. Well, the reason he's so angry in part is he's old enough to realize I'm never going to get picked. Mm. I'm always going to be the last one picked. Kickball, dodgeball, you name it. Well, in point of fact, that's been largely true. (laughs) In fact, but partly because that conclusion led me to avoid doing those activities. If you avoid doing the activities, you can't learn how to do them better. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy that I just can't do sports. Hmm. And it came out of the trauma from, as a kid, when I would be the last one picked, me and, and, and Robert, who was legally blind and, 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 and morbidly obese, or me. We were the last two picked, invariably. And I would sit there praying, and at the time I wasn't a Christian, but Lord, let him pick me instead of Robert. <laughs> what a great Christian prayer, huh? <laughs> pick me, not Robert, you know, because I so desperately wanted to feel included and accepted. Mm. That didn't go away just because time went on. That got frozen, seared in my sense of identity, who I believe myself to be. And it can be triggered by current circumstances. Jim, let me rewind here just for a minute mm-hmm. um, and, and go, but you were talking about uh, veterans and uh, you know the, the PTSD that, that many have experienced. And Elena and I were talking about this mm-hmm. because we deal with a lot of yeah. veterans. Yes, and we do. I do lots and of they favorites. deserve everything oh, we can no possibly oh, give hands them. Down, no bad. question. I do a lot of funerals for mm-hmm. veterans of World War II. Mm-hmm. Actually, had one from World War One a couple wow, of years. I mean, how you know, cool! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 many from the Korean War, and once in a while one from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But they do a lot for the World War II era. It, help us understand this dynamic a little bit. It seems, on the surface, anyway that the World War II veterans somehow had processed... I mean, they, they were on the beaches of Normandy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they saw ugly oh, stuff. Ugly, ugly stuff, yeah. What was different for... And, and aside from the reception that they got when they came back, and maybe that's a big factor, but in terms of the the psychological effects of, say, World War One and Vietnam... Where in Vietnam, we see so much of the PTSD uh, mm-hmm. symptoms... Is there a difference there, or was there a different kind of processing? Why Why do we see a, a difference that in a how they question. respond? That is such a good question. Yes. And, there's, and there's many facets that go into it. One is the reception mm. Mm. that came at the end, right. particularly for the Vietnam vets. Yes. That's my era. Yes. Um, you know, to come home after risking your life and maybe seeing buddies that were blown away and you're being spit on as a as a as a baby killer mm-hmm. by the people you are protecting that can do a lot of damage but there's several things too one is expectations the expectations of the general person going into world war 2 compared to the general expectations of a person going into the vietnam era war very different the the uh uh, the current Middle East war, even more so. The expectation that, that 
that we should be okay. Well, a lot of people of the era that would be, say, 20 at, in World War II, you do what you do. You don't worry about what you're feeling. You don't worry about what you're thinking. Mm. Now, I, I'm not saying that's good, but it does have an effect. And the other thing is that prior to Vietnam, and I think maybe, I'm not sure with Korea, in World War II and before, troops would be moved as a unit in a ship. Mm -hmm. And what they would do on that ship when a company had been, I'm feeling a little emotional, I, I feel such a a love for those that have risked their lives in the service for us. I mean, it just, they deserve so much. They would show sad movies, like, not, not literally Old Yeller, because it was later, but like Old Yeller, sad movies. They would play a lot of sad movies mm. when the guys on the troop ships had been in awful war conditions. They could cry for old yeller on the screen, but they couldn't cry for their friend that was blown away. They couldn't cry for the loss of innocence and dis disillusionment that they were feeling themselves, mm -hmm. but they could cry for old yeller. And the reason they couldn't show that emotion because men don't was, cry. Okay, all right. Men don't feel, and that was much more prevalent with the population age 20 going into World War II than a 20-year-old going into the Middle East. Can I ask this question, Jim? Was the rate of alcoholism higher than amongst those pre-Vietnam than it was maybe? Did they turn to drinking and things like that as opposed to uh, the drugs and, and um, some of the stuff that we saw during the Vietnam War? You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm just I'm not wondering absolutely if they, certain. If they showed um, effects of PTSD well, in different ways, For possibly. one thing, the AA was being formed in the 30s. Yes, it was. Yeah. Which yes, is not was. very old right. by the time you're getting into the 40s right. when, when you had that. The, the definition of an alcoholic f for most people at the World War II era would be the street road, road uh, bum, quote, unquote, street bum that is a derelict. Now, our definitions are so different. Our expectations of healthiness and functionality are so much greater. The expectations in relationships, I'm just wondering much how, greater. how many of those gentlemen uh, mm -hmm. or uh, ladies went home and kept things bottled up inside oh, and, and took it, you know, just mm -hmm. it, it kind of surfaced in different ways. And, sure. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think it did. Okay. And, 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 and it may have been just the bottling up yes. itself. Yes. Maybe kept in Tupperware but see, containers men in different ways. men were seen as bottled up anyway. Yeah. Mm. Typically. Yeah. And so it wouldn't stand out, whereas... Now, today, men are supposed to be communicative and involved and involved with the kids and involved with the wife and involved in all these things that require being an active participant, not just someone who is fulfilling 
a, a task. So the the set of expectations on many levels were were different. Many levels. And I'm thinking too that a lot of these or most of them uh, entering World War II had grown up during the Depression, right? And had experienced uh, terrible economic times mm-hmm. where where mm-hmm. where obstacles had to be challenges that you overcame. They weren't things that defeated you. You you had to. We well, had no them. choice. Yeah, to, to survive. My dad grew up in the Ozarks. I think I may have talked to him yes. in f- mm-hmm. previous meetings. Mm-hmm. And was actually a hobo uh, for what rode the rails at, at a time. And he grew up often not having enough to eat. And I remember <coughs> as an adult talking to him about it. And, and I said, well, gee, Dad, you know, he's a little kid and, what you know, He's hungry. And he said, well, gee, I wish I had more. But there was no resentment or bitterness because mm. there wasn't the expectation mm. that it should be different than it is. Mm. The expectations that came out of the the mushrooming of the 50s, you know, after World War II, the, the abundance of the and, and the normalcy of the 50s, the rebellion of the 60s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, over, these, over the years – the expectation is our life should be the way the TV says it is. Mm. Our marriages should be instant success. We shouldn't have to work at being a parent. We shouldn't have to work at being a husband and wife. And now, today, a lot of the younger generation, <laughs> a lot younger than we are, uh, have grown up with the expectation if you show up you get a trophy mm-hmm. and if you put your name on the paper you should get credit for that so we're products of our era we're we? products of our era and, and it's not good you know speaking of your dad Jim mm-hmm. and, and being an adult what about the adult child we hear a lot about mm-hmm. adult children mm-hmm. can you mm-hmm. speak to that a little bit when we were talking earlier about times when 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 our our life stops freezes like freeze flame a frame it's like at the end of a of a of a series like uh, star trek or something where the, the finale before the new season and you wonder is captain picard going to make it out of the borg ship or is he going to be destroyed because the borg ship has just been blown up before your eyes mm-hmm. he was on it what's going to happen we're left holding the bag, not knowing what's going to happen. That's what happens when we freeze a scene, whether as a four-year-old Jimmy mm-hmm. uh, on the wetting his pants, six-year-old Jimmy feeling inadequate. Jimmy didn't know that he was later going to become a doctor. Right. <laughs> in his mind, his life froze in the low spelling, reading, math, sports group. That's who I am. I'm a failure in all ways. That was his frame. That's not true for him or me today. Jim, I'm going to come back to a, a theme we've talked about many times, and that's the flashlight versus the mm-hmm. lantern. But you, what, what you were talking about just now, um, there, there's a line in, in a document that uh, you so graciously provide us today. And, and I love the way you put this. I don't know that we've really unpacked this this way before. You write that the light quality of our flashlight shines on what is missing or wrong, what should be there but isn't, or what shouldn't be there but is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I've, as, as we've talked about that, I'm, I'm always thinking all the light shining on the stuff that, you know, maybe we don't want there. But that light sometimes is, is looking for things that are not there. As well. Mm-hmm. But we think should be there. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit and, and, and what that does to us in terms of the Tupperware effect. Sure. Well, for one thing, as human beings, we're, we really are not good at understanding the zero, the absence. So without the zero, we would not have higher mathematics. The Arabs, the Arabic language gave us the zero. Until then, we were very limited on the math we could do. Even though zero is nothing, it, there, it is of significance. In the same way, that which is missing is hard for us to see, hard for us to recognize, and yet we're still feeling it. So we often can't legitimize or respect or appreciate why we're feeling what we're feeling. And so we think, what's wrong with us Hmm. that we're feeling this way? Or we look at our flashlight and find it's because of that pink and red uh, blouse that Elaine is wearing that I'm not having a good time tonight. (laughs) So it's her fault, you know. We'll find something to explain feelings if we can't explain them otherwise. And the absence of what we want and need is often hard to recognize. Very hard. And at holiday times like this, mm-hmm. uh, often what isn't there or what used to be there but isn't there anymore is is very difficult for us. Oh, it? that is, you know, in fact... If you can on on your um, when you put your the, the the announcement out on the website under additional publications mm-hmm. under contact under additional publications right, right. there's there's a little article called another blue Christmas another blue Christmas and it's all about exactly what you're talking about there Mike as a child. We may have grown up around holidays that were perfect. I mean, perfect, letter perfect, sterile, hollow, but perfect. That would be someone who's likely in their adult life to drive themselves absolutely to distraction, Mm -hmm. trying to make sure all the lights, all the decorations, and it becomes an old nature task, performance task, as compared to a new nature celebration. Okay? By the same token, if as a child, holidays meant drunkenness. Drunkenness means chaos and crisis. Who's going to throw who through the window? Who's going to beat up who? Who's going to threaten to shoot or stab who? Who's going to physically beat up who? And if you've had that in your background... You're going to have a, a vague sense of uneasiness around the holidays without even consciously connecting the dots. Because in the current environment, that may not be the case at all. It might be a fine environment today, but the associations are still there. Mm-hmm. And those memories that you still have, too. Well, friends, if you've uh, just joined us, with, we're with Dr. <coughs> Jim Henman tonight, and we're going to be back with... Uh, so much more. We're, uh, we're playing our favorite thankful song uh, tonight from the Katinas. And-
and uh, and it's simply called Thank You here on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back with so much more. Stay with us. Just a little while longer, wanna pray. Can get you off of my soul. Can to say thank you, Lord, just for loving me. I many times I do forget ever need that you were met. Oh, thank you, Lord. I know you're showing me. Oh 
you begin to say thank you. Isn't that precious? That's the Katinas, and thank you here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Dr. Jim Henman. Where do you begin to say thanks? You know, it just, uh, if you have breath and a pulse and you just go from there, don't you, Jim? You know, the irony, without grateful humility, you cannot truly have relational Christianity. Mm. And without grateful humility, which is that owning the fact that we are loved and unmerited in that love, we cannot earn that love, but the grateful humility that God's nature loves us right where we're starting is where gratitude comes from. That that grateful humility is what allows gratitude. And without gratitude, I don't believe a person can actually transform. I see people who feel so entitled, they feel so deserving um, that if they do get something, they can't really enjoy it because they're entitled to it. You can't get satisfaction and enjoyment out of something you feel entitled to. Absolutely. You know, and, and Elaine, I know you've seen that many, many times as we help people. You know, there there are some who do have that mm-hmm. entitlement men- mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. And when they receive something, uh, you know, sometimes the, the, the people who serve go out and they and they deliver it, and there's absolutely no response. Right. And not, not, not that that's what they're mm-hmm. looking for, mm-hmm. you right, know, right. but... They're, they're amazed that there's absolutely no response. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you. You know, you don't, no thank you. Mm-hmm. No, no thanking at all. Just, we'll put it over there and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and we move on. And, and that, and we were talking about the abundance of the post-World War II mm-hmm. era as opposed to the non-abundance of, of mm-hmm. the, uh, depression era. And you have a, a wonderful phrase here called the abundance Paradox. Mm. Can, can we unpack that a little? Oh, bit? God gives me so many great nuggets. That's one of the one of the really great ones. The abundance paradox is where you live your life as each as if each day could be your last day, and a and d and each you're going to be living for a long, long time. So it's the seeming paradox of living each day as if it could be your last and living each day as if you're going to be around for a long, long time that truly allows abundance to be a part of your experience. I'm flashing back to our study of the first century church mm. and primarily how those, those, those first century Christians lived with expectation of Jesus' return. Right. And I'm thinking of that abundance paradox and the way it rolled out because they did. They le- they they lived with the urgency of knowing that Jesus was coming back. But for the most part, and, and there were some in Corinth and, and other mm-hmm. places that, that you know kind of went off on a, on sure. a tangent in response to this. Some just kind of said, oh, he's coming back. Great. I'm just going to wait here. And, 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 and remember, so, I can't remember who it was, said, get off your tail and go make some money <laughs> go to work. give yes. to feed the women yes. and children. And, and that was Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, and he did that, that, no surprise. Did, did that so well. Yes. Did that so well. But and, and I'm thinking we have lost that today. That that sense and, and really I, I'm I'm trying to apply this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. 
they really were doing that well. They were they were taking the the urgency of the moment Jesus is coming back, and yet they were also living as if they were going to be around a long time. Right. It, it seems to me maybe that has some some God wisdom in it. it, it I think it, it's at the very heart of God wisdom because, of course, God's outside of time, mm-hmm. and so in one sense, the paradox is the two dimensions that God's outside of in the sense that he's outside of time and he's in the present. And I know that seems contradictory, but the living each day as if it could be your last makes everything more vibrant. I mean, if you really were, had gotten the news that you're going to be gone in 24 hours, just think what your day would feel like. Now, some people would spend the day bemoaning the fact they only have one day resenting the fact they only have one day. Why me, Lord? And feeling resentful at only having one day and actually wasting that one day before they die. But what I would like to think I would do and what I would wish for people to have as a choice is to live that day with true, vivid participation. Mm to connect with people that are important to you and to be able to say what you want to say. You know, how often somebody dies and you didn't say to them what you really wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the last thing that was said was something ugly or hostile or negative, and then you feel like I'm trapped forever in that. So, Jim, how does this fit into the lives of terminal patients? Who've gotten the news? You have somewhere between two to six months to live. How does this? And that that brings it home, mm-hmm. right? Right. How right. have you seen people under those circumstances respond to this abundance paradox? What I <clears throat> I've had the opportunity to work with a number of people who were terminal in that sense of yeah. with sort of a, a date attached to how much time they had, mm-hmm. and what I will jokingly say to them, and, 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 and that may seem kind of crass, why would you be joking with somebody who's dying? Well, who better to joke with? Mm. Because if you treat them like a piece of china, it makes them a piece of china. When you treat them as just as real and just as valid, the fact that they're dying doesn't change any of that. You're responding to them as you would respond to them if they're going to be around for a long, long time. To me, that's respectful. Mm -hmm. That's respectful. So here you have someone who, you know, says, well, I've got a couple of months left. Well, you know, let's look at your options. You can sit there and resent the heck out of it and waste it, or you can live it as fully and, and, and in such a healthy way that those two months give you as much as you can possibly tolerate mm. of healthy living. And isn't that what you're talking about? Yeah. The word abundance. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because yes. that's an attitude. Yes. Abundance yes. is not a possession. It's an attitude right. about. But Paul felt abundance. And my dad, as messed up as he was, his wisdom said, live below your means and love the one you're with. Mm. Whatever you got, mm. that's what you enjoy. Mm. Don't ever expect anything more than what you got and enjoy what you got. And he was right about that. And your dad did that, didn't he? He gave me some good gifts. He did. Along with some 
not so good Other gifts. Stuff. Other stuff. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, I, I would think back to Paul, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I how how he is, and, and said he was content mm-hmm. in in all situations. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and certainly lived that abundance paradox and in, in mm-hmm. oh, absolutely, way. and that's yeah. healthy, isn't it, Jim? Because he, he was contents? doing things to build the church. Yeah. As if he's going to be around for a long, long time. Yes. And yet lived each day right. as as if it could be his last, because he didn't know when he was going to get beat up again or, or killed. To be content in every situation like that, that's... that's uh... Well, here's the irony. I don't know about Paul, but for any living human being, if you try to do that perfectly, it becomes impossible. If I set the expectation of myself that I am going to be perfectly content at all times and all circumstances, period, you will do it in your old nature. Right, but the word perfectly wasn't there. I know, in the scripture. I know, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So when he says he's content, I believe, and it just hit me, I, I've, I've, I know that passage many times, but it just hit me as you were saying it just now, that's, how we, that's what I love about getting together here. Mm-hmm. He's content in that this is the only moment he has with Papa God, Big Brother Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to live this moment. Mm. Therefore, I'm content in whatever circumstance, because whatever circumstance is what the adventure is going to manifest. It may be a beating that leads to someone being converted. It may be a success that leads to a pitfall. It doesn't matter. God is going to be with me in this moment dealing with whatever is coming up. And that's good enough for me. His adventure of the I moment believe. or adventure of the day, whatever mm-hmm. Paul was mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. And he was going to be thankful for That's it. right. I'm going to savor it. And Elaine, we've talked a lot about this and, you know, being um, in charge of a nonprofit for mm-hmm. Almost ten years now. I've I've learned some stuff, <laughs> and one of the things I learned is that God's metrics are not our metrics. God's measuring stick does not have the same kind of ticks on it that ours does, and we can just get wrapped around the axle trying to define success for ourselves. When I think God is is looking at us, saying that. That's not my expectation of you. Oh, that is so true, Mike. When you think about the shepherd that has his flock, and he'll leave the flock mm. to go find one lost sheep. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that one sheep more important than the whole, uh, not herd, uh, flock? flock? <laughs> no. But in God's eyes, each of us is of infinite absolute value yes and so yeah he's going to he's going to have value no matter what's happening he's going to have value for us and and i think jim we we can get uh into some deep weeds in ministry Mm -hmm. when we try to apply our especially our, our western metrics Mm-hmm. To what is success? Because getting back to zeros and, and mm-hmm. ones, mm-hmm. our Western idea of success is is big numbers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big numbers. Uh, even in ministry, you know, 
How many people raised their hand for the altar? How many people got baptized? How many people attended? And we get we get so focused on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't ever see Jesus worried about the numbers, whether he was dealing with the woman at the well one-on-one or whether he had the 4,000 or the 5,000. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to be his primary concern, numbers. Right? In fact, I would almost go so far as to say I don't think it was his concern at all. Because it was in the same way that Paul had the capacity for contentment, Jesus had the gift of contentment. If he's talking to 5,000, he's talking to 5,000. If he's talking to one, he's talking to one. He's doing whatever he's doing completely in the present moment, connected to Papa God and the Spirit equipping him for that moment and what could be more content than that? How do we operate in that realm, Jim, without leaning over towards just kind of apathy and, and complacency? Oh, thank you. That is because it is the opposite of apathy and it's the opposite of passivity. It's an active allowing. It's not a making or a forcing. The moment you turn it into forcing a sheer will, I am going to make happen X, Y, Z, that's your old nature. Mm -hmm. Your new nature, by its very Christ living in us, God living in us, the Spirit living in us, is in the present moment, experiencing the present moment with a feeling of contentment in the present moment, of the adventure in the present moment. The journey is the thing. The journey is the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so easy to say that and so hard to believe it because the world so looks at destination, weighs it, measures it, determines the value of it, and doesn't really see the journey as being something to even consider. You know, guys, we're coming up on the season of giving and Jesus talks a lot about giving mm-hmm. in, in the word. And um, Jim, I love what you say in your book, Who's Really Driving Your Bus? And, and we need to give out some information <laughs> here before we lose our time together. But you say, learning to move away from begrudging giving and looking for opportunities to give freely will make you naturally a more generous person. Most people think of their giving style as that's just how I am and not something they have a choice to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. See, when, when Scripture talks about it's more blessed to give than receive, mm-hmm. it really is true if it's given freely. Mm-hmm. The moment it's given begrudgingly, there's a, there's a nugget in, in the bus book on the economy of giving. Yes. And if I, if I give something and I give it begrudgingly, costs me a great deal and I gain very little. And the person that I'm giving that begrudgingly to is going to tend to not get nearly what they might have gotten had I given it freely. And what about the added dimension of giving with the expectation of receiving something? Right, and that's, that's the begrudging. Begrudging could mean anything from I have an expectation that if I give this to you, you're going to like me expectation that if I give this to you, you're going to give something back to me. 
there's an expectation in there that somehow you, the other person, haven't really agreed to. Which is what happens with God and man frequently. I mean, how many people are mad at God for for things that God didn't follow through on that he never agreed to in the first place? Mm. You know, I'm a little kid and I pray. Remember the, a couple of shows ago when the, the, the kid that came in and found a, a dead parent? Yes. Uh, yes. You yes. know, um, if that kid had prayed for the for that parent to come back to life, I will be good. I will I will brush my teeth. I will I will do my homework. I make a deal. Let's make a deal. Mm-hmm. And the parents still dead. That kid may very well end up feeling God has betrayed him or her. Elaine, let's give the website here before let's we go do too far. Let's do that. Care it's, uh, go ahead. care for you. Uh, dot com and that's C A I R as in changing attitudes in recovery for you. Great website, awesome website, and there are so many free resources for you on that. Jim, can you add anything to that? Well, I welcome people. There's fret, there's ten different double C D sets of free audio downloads. There's a, a free six chapter video, Willing to be a fool for God. There's there's Probably forty hours worth of written material. If you wanted to wade through all, it's deep, magnificent, deep, stuff. deep stuff. Yes. You know, so I, I would, I think it could be a blessing for anyone that wants tools and resources. Absolutely. And and again, uh, you mentioned uh, a segment on there called "Another Blue Christmas." Yes. And where was that located on the website? Okay. If you go to the contact section in the website. Uh, it says publications, and then at the end of that, it says additional publications, because there's quite a few. And in that additional publications, it's is the is the article another blue Christmas. If you could put that link directly to that as well as to the website, you got it. Because it's the trouble with the website is there's so much there that it's easy to get lost, and and. People that are hurting over the holidays, I would love them to have it. Consider it done, my friend. Yeah, and by the way, friends, uh, if, if you're visiting our, our blog site, which is Lighthouse Live, uh, you know, dot blogspot.com, we will include that link. Yes. You know, so where you clicked on to hear Lighthouse Live, if you look back on, on the, uh, summary paragraph there, we will include those links and those Perfect. will take you, uh, to Jim's website and also we'll link that particular resource, uh, another Blue Christmas yeah. as, as well. And again, who's really driving your bus is a book that you really want to add to your uh, your collection because it's a, it's a great book to have and it really, really can change your life well, if you want it to. But you need to warn them that I write like Paul and James. And uh, that's, It's deep, deep yeah. stuff. And that's really okay because if simple minds like mine can understand it. It's deep and simple, actually. <laughs> See, that's like somebody else. That yep. we know, yep. isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Well, and and I love I I've used that phrase many times, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially out with non-believers mm-hmm. in in very tragic situations, because the question is always mm-hmm. why. Yeah. And you know, it it comes up that God is both uh, deep, and and some parts of Him we mm-hmm. don't really understand. We'll never fathom the, this whole thing of existing outside of time. Mm-hmm. Fries my synapses. Oh, you know, my my brain starts smoking and, and stuff comes out of my ears. And I, you know, it's just <laughs> you know what happens with that one is we get the impression that God's sitting up there on His throne, laughing and smirking mm. and, and 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 giggling, 
at, oh, what's this? Mike's going to fall down and, 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 and hit his head. <laughs> well, God is outside of time. So for him, our birth and our death and everything in between is all one now yes. for him. So it's not that he's sitting there choosing not to help us. It's that it's he's outside of time. And that's a concept that most people really distort into something very different. Well, and even the, the con- well, we're out of time. Yeah, even the concept of eternity. Mm-hmm. For a long time, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I almost had a fear of that. You know, beginning, ending. What's mm-hmm. with this eternity? I don't know right, if I can right. get my head around. Humans can't. can't fully. No, we can't. We can't, yeah. we can't really no know that, can mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Jim, we've got about, uh, what, 30 yes. seconds left? Yes. Or, or so. How about a nugget for people as we celebrate Thanksgiving? Expectations, not experiences, create resentment and bitterness. Mm-hmm. Gratitude allows to get the most out of life that you can have. That's a good one. And how can we keep you and Sonia and your family in our prayers? This Absolutely. Time? That's always welcome. Need okay. all I can have. All right. Well, you've got that, my friend. And we look forward to your visit with us next time. And there will be a next time. And uh, give Sonia our love. And you guys Absolutely. have a great, happy Thanksgiving in your home. And dear friends, wherever you happen to be, thank you for joining us uh, this hour. And we wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving as well. Join us again next time here on Lighthouse Live and at Advancing Vibrant Communities.